Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is a great depth of beauty in this verse. In it, Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, is comforting his disciples by summing up his entire mission and his identity, his very essence. He is the one who has come to open the way when we had closed it. He is the one who has come to reveal the truth when we had been told only lies. He is the one who has come to be and to give us life when we had known only death. And of course, that way is the way to the Father, the source of all being. And that truth is the truth from the Father, the ground of all reality. And that life is the life of the Father, the wellspring of all creation. And all of this is ours in Jesus. All of this is for the world in Christ. It is staggeringly good news. And more unfathomable still, all of this has been given to us, poor broken creatures as we are, freely, graciously, profligately in Christ. It seems almost too good to be true. And in fact, we, the church, speaking very broadly, have in so many times and in so many places deemed the gospel just that, too good to be true. And so we have gone off trying to find the catch, something that would make it smaller, more palatable for us. And when we don't find the catch, we invent one time and time again. And then we insist that you can't understand the gospel without understanding the catch. And we take any catchless gospel and we reject it and denounce it as dangerous and damnable heresy. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is a profoundly beautiful expression of the gospel, and yet I have also heard it time and time again used to inflict pain and to enforce exclusion and to defend hatred and to justify fear. We have taken this plowshare of the gospel that's meant to break up the hard earth of our hearts so that the way the truth and the life might take root and flourish there, and we have beaten it into a sword to defend ourselves from the very gospel we claim to cherish. Now, of course, we've done this with many things that Jesus has said. We pervert many things we find in the Bible so that they present the world as we think it is or as we think it ought to be, so that they make us look good and right, and the others look bad and wrong. And we have done this for so long and so often that now we automatically just assume that whatever the Bible says is what we want it to say. 
And by some very circular logic, we also assume that whatever we want is what the Bible says. As a result, some of us sit very snugly and smugly in the scriptures. But a whole lot more of us are repulsed by them, and not really by them, but by us. And they are left to assume that the very opposite is true, that the Bible, that Jesus would never say anything they would want or could accept. And so both sides are left deaf to the gospel, stopping their ears like the stoners of Stephen, unwilling or unable to hear the good news in its fullness. Now, of course, this particular verse has been very often used in this way because it has that word in it that makes it so easy for us to find the catch that we're looking for, except. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Now, Jesus does not say one word to explain what he means by that. And we, unlike Thomas and Philip, don't ask for clarifications because when it comes down to it, more often than not, we don't really want to clarify what Jesus says. We want to take what Jesus says and use it to justify what we already think. And what we already think very often is that we're not too comfortable with Jesus giving the way, the truth, and the life to just anybody, let alone everybody. We want some exceptions to apply. And so we jam as many of them as we can into that one word. No one comes to the Father except they behave like Jesus. And no one comes to the Father except they believe like Jesus. No one comes to the Father except they be baptized like Jesus. No one comes to the Father except they X, Y, Z like Jesus. But of course, in each of those, we are putting words into Jesus' mouth that he did not say. And what we really mean by all of them, whether we like it or not, is that no one comes to the Father unless they behave or believe or be baptized or X, Y, Z like us. We have drawn the circle of whatever except through Jesus means exactly where we want it to mean, where we want it to be. And we sit down in the middle of it, and from there we proclaim our good news that if you would just become like us, then Jesus would give you the way, the truth, and the life. Well, of course, that good news is no good news at all. The gospel of grace cannot have such a catch. You must become like me before it will work for you. The gospel of grace can't have a catch at all and still be the gospel of grace. Now, I don't think that the solution is then to swing in the other direction and then just water down what Jesus says, cross out that except and and make Jesus a way, a truth, a life among infinite options. That's also to put words in Jesus' mouth that he didn't say, or to take words out that he did say. I think the solution is something much harder. The solution is to realize that whatever Jesus means, it's something greater and bigger than we can grasp or understand. 
and yet at the same time to trust that whatever Jesus means, it's good news. I don't know exactly what he means when he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I can't stand up here today and give you a satisfying explanation of what that means. But I can and I will stand here and tell you what it cannot mean. It cannot mean bad news. It cannot mean that the countless millions who have never heard the name of Jesus or those who have never heard the gospel truly preached or those who have heard it preached so poorly that they have rightly rejected it as a false gospel or those for so many other reasons in so many other places. It cannot mean that they've all been just left out of the way, the truth, and the life. It cannot mean that they've all been just cut off from the Father who loves them. Now we are not in a place to presume to judge how or why Jesus brings such as those to the Father. Because we can't presume how or why he does it for us. But because we know him, we can trust that he will do it. Because the good news of Jesus Christ must be good news for all creation, or it's not good news at all. There can be no one who is excluded from the gospel, because if there is, then there is no one who can be sure they are included. And if grace is not given freely to all, then grace is not given at all, because then it wouldn't be grace. At this point, you might wonder then, well, why bother with all of this? Why bother with all the believing and the behaving and the baptizing and the X, Y, Z? Why not just wait around? Well, we do all those things not because by doing them we earn for ourselves some exclusive ticket to heaven or we learn the secret password of salvation or we get given some uncommon gift. We do them for some more profound and wonderful and beautiful reason that God has called us to do them here and now. I can't explain why, but he has called us, he has blessed us to be here and now the signs in this world of hopelessness, of the way, the truth, and the life. He has called us to be stones of hope on which the hopeless stumble into him. And so we are, even now, that chosen race and royal priesthood and holy nation, but not for our own sake, but rather only for the sake that we might proclaim and do the mighty works of him who has called us from darkness and is calling all from darkness into the marvelous light of Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. We, gloriously but very mysteriously, are here and now God's own people.
here and now those who have received mercy. But only so we might announce and hasten that day when all people and all creation and all that is take up their dwelling places in the house of the Father as he proclaims over all, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.